This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everybody and welcome again to the Video Junkyard Podcast. This is Eric Branson and with me as always is Joe Peterson. How's it going tonight, Joe? Pretty good, Eric. How you doing? I'm doing good. Been awesome. keeping yourself busy? Very, very. It's been an exciting uh, exciting couple of weeks, a lot of traveling. The big Same thing here. The big thing uh, lately that I did is I I went and actually saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which it's been weird, you know. Um it, for those of you that don't know me, this is the, the Jurassic Park franchise is, is kind of a huge thing in my life, being a paleontologist. But uh, I have to say, this film, it was so marketed that I actually was not excited to see it. It was I, I can't believe I waited a week. I waited a week I can't believe you it. waited a week to see I it. I know. But... <laughs> Every other Jurassic film I saw opening day, including the original June 11th, 1993. But uh, this one I waited a week, and I had to sit away from spoiler alerts which i won't spoil here but there were a lot of spoiler alerts uh and i still have things spoiled for me but i enjoyed it did you you saw it too didn't you yes i did um and i also enjoyed it i won't rave about it it's not great it's not fantastic but it's entertaining and it was you know i didn't feel like i wasted my money walking out of the theater just i had some gripes here and there with it but um, I tell you where it did win with me is that it is very different from any of the other films, I believe. And I, I, I see a lot of people comparing it to the the Lost World, the, the second Jurassic Park movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. got a couple of similarities, but in general, the whole tone and uh, where the movie goes is very different from even the Lost World. So it wins a lot of points with me for its originality. So that's the main thing I liked about it. What, what did you think overall? I, I would say same. I mean, I think the parallels to to the second Jurassic Park from The Lost World were were pretty strong. In fact, I think you know we're looking at a a Jurassic film coming out in 2018 rather than 1997, which I believe Lost World came out. So mm-hmm. you're looking at a, a 90s Jurassic Park sequel versus a 2018 Jurassic Park sequel, and both of them are kind of dealing with pretty similar themes. So I felt like the parallels were as strong as they're going to get, um, considering the the two time periods that these films came out. But the the final act really won me over. Um, I mean, the, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, there were a lot of scenes. There's there's some exposition that really bugged me, and there were some dialogue. I thought the script was honestly pretty bad. I thought it was really really rough. I mean, there were lines that are said that are kind of like, where the hell did you come up with that, or why are why are we talking about this kind of a thing? But yeah, um, and I, there... I would feel like that's not necessarily something unique to this Jurassic Park film. Almost everyone, including the original, which is a classic and I love, yeah, but yeah. have their moments of cringeworthy dialogue. But I kind of felt like, even though it was cringeworthy, even there were some lines that were pretty you know eye rolling, even in the original. I felt like, you know, in the 90s, you had scripts that were, for a big budget movie like that, like this, or, or like Jurassic Park was, uh, a little bit more intelligent 
in yeah. in some of the philosophy and in this I mean, one i think david was... cope wrote jurassic park yeah. right with with um yeah. assistance from michael crichton i believe so i believe so yeah yeah, yeah. so i think that's so those, gonna are, play those are real role. good writers i mean they're not but and and i'll be i like jurassic world a couple years ago um it was nice to it really was just a rehash of jurassic park but it was nice to yeah. see at least for a few scenes what a working dinosaur theme park would look like that was something yeah. i've always wanted to see because you didn't see that in jurassic park you saw a one under construction um yes. So that was kind of cool, and I felt like where they went with this one, which I won't spoil it, but where they go with this one, it's different. It's something new, and I have a lot of questions how this new direction is going to work, because uh, it leaves a lot to the imagination, but I guess I'm actually more excited to see the next one than I was for this one, so... Yeah. It, it won me over, and, and I will say also, from a technical perspective, which, by the way, I don't like to do... I don't like to criticize the science in science fiction films because if anybody's going to complain about the science in a Jurassic Park film, you do know that we can't clone dinosaurs, right? So if you're willing to put that one off to the side, you should be willing to put a lot more. This is why physicists <laughs> don't get mad when they watch Star Wars and a lightsaber's impossible, but I digress. Uh, yeah. The dinosaurs look much better in this one than they did in the last one. Yes, and I, I really And there's more of them, and they went with practical effects a lot more, so those were all things that won a lot of points for me. Yeah. Yeah, the other one, um, I wasn't a huge fan of Jurassic World, and I think it was mostly because of its, it was a bit derivative of the original Jurassic mm -hmm. Park. It was really just a mm -hmm. rehash. The same same kind of complaint that I have about uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Neither of them were bad movies. They were both fairly decent movies. I just didn't get, by, by the end of it, it was hard to be super excited about them because they really just kind of were going through the motions of the original film. So they were, they were almost kind of quasi-modern remakes. Yeah. They were they hung somewhere in the middle of remake and sequel. <laughs> um, Reboot. And I, I think yeah. I think Jurassic World was even a little bit. I'm a little more turned off of that one than I was of um, the Star Wars film because I think there was even less less original stuff brought to it. But um, yeah. there were certainly cool things about it. I agree with you. With the seeing the functioning park was awesome. Um, there was mm -hmm. so, just some of the. Um, some of the chase scenes and suspense scenes in Jurassic World were much better than in Jurassic mm -hmm. World Fallen Kingdom, I think. That was my biggest gripe with Fallen Kingdom, is that I don't think they spent enough time like really thinking out their um, action sequences in it. And uh, I think you mentioned, actually, when we were talking about it off-air that it was a little bit slapstick and it was like almost a, yeah almost every little uh, action scene or chase sequence you're gonna have a dinosaur fall and bump his head or run into some stuff and smash everything and um could be because a lot of the time they're running around on tile floors i guess that kind of makes sense but um, well and there's a scene too with with chris pratt where it's very much physical comedy you know he, yes. he's a very entertaining actor i'm not gonna bash chris pratt i think he's he's uh you know i, I think he's a very entertaining actor but it was well in many ways he kind of saved this movie from yeah, being worse it, than it was <laughs> it, it felt weird liking some of the humor in it but it worked and i think because i some again not to spoil some of the themes that they try to push and they're really trying to push them in this film are a bit of a stretch so yeah. i did appreciate the occasional slapstick to kind of lighten the tone a little bit it's something we haven't seen too much in a jurassic film i mean there's always been a little bit of humor you know there's the the big dinosaur poop scene or the the brachiosaur sneezing on the yeah. girl scene in the original jurassic park but yeah. this ian was malcolm much more liners you know yeah the ian malcolm <laughs> one-liners but this this had a lot more uh, some kind of 
rather amusing slapstick, which you don't see too much in a Jurassic film. And this was kind of nice to. I I didn't know I would have. I I didn't know I'd like that. So that was kind of a self discovery, yeah. I guess. But, I found uh, them to be, and this is the only thing kind of derivative about Fallen Kingdom. I thought that it seemed like they were kind of playing homage to previous films uh action sequences a little yeah. too much for me like it, it had too much like cookie cutter repeats of other moments from other films and that kind of thing always kind of gets under my skin like why are we making a why are we spending you know this multi-million dollar budget or hundreds of millions of dollars to make a movie that's already been made i mean that's i don't know i mean you could well, you could argue yeah. on the other side of the coin that's what people want to see it's it's comfortable territory but the whole the rest of the movie i would say like the premise of the film is pretty daring because it's a big departure from the rest of the series oh certainly to have like a lot of it you know a lot of the the more exciting moments of the film to be derivative was disappointing so that that knocked it down a little bit for me but overall i enjoyed it i i don't have too many complaints i didn't uh, there were there were a lot of easter eggs in this one actually i don't even know if we can call them easter eggs there were a lot of references in this one that were kind of poorly hidden easter eggs like very right out there in front of you that mm -hmm. were like oh, oh the first few it's like oh that's that's neat that's referencing this or that's a reference to that and then by the end of the movie it's like wow you, it, there's almost too many of these <laughs> there's um you know and uh i'm not sure how safe it is to even talk about some of these things you know yeah and let's not, not but, just because it's a newer yeah, it, it's, film but... there, there's a lot of references and a lot of throwbacks and some of them are done in a way where it's very impactful there is a tearjerker scene in there and i got no shame <laughs> in saying that that one brought a tear to my eye oh yeah uh, i agree that, that was a hard <laughs> hard scene and anybody if you haven't seen it you'll you'll know it you'll you know it. right away what we're Holy talking about when you shit. do see it but. but there were a number of other moments like that which weren't emotionally impacted they were just here's here we're gonna have a dinosaur do this again or we're gonna have the a character do this again and it's like yeah I, I okay yeah i get it this is a jurassic film and that happened in another jurassic film so that that started to wear on me a little bit and i, I wonder more if that is a, a symptom of just modern audiences liking easter eggs they like references to other films and maybe some of the expanded universe things that we've seen with marvel and dc and, and star wars you know how many times do we do we ever get sick of hearing han solo say you know i've got a bad feeling about this or something no of course <laughs> right. not so you know, anytime you hear that, it's kind of, yeah, but I, I think audiences really like that, but this one, they really, like, crammed them in there, so it didn't, it didn't bother me, it just did kind of detract a bit from the impact of them. It felt a little bit, like you said, derived, so. Overall, though, I, I walked out of there surprised how much I enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm able to put all scientific complaints though they really pushed the envelope on a few for me yeah but, i was gonna say this was this one i thought might be difficult for you because it, i i could tell from a layman's point of view that the science is not real solid but hey it it more than any of the other jurassic park movies was was definitely just a monster movie in a lot of ways and so, i wanted that and i was yeah. glad for so that. i was I'm... i was able to put that out of my mind very quickly yeah yeah i was too but there there were a few that really and to be honest, they're not paleontology ones either. They were right. No, most of, of the, the worst stuff is the genetic <laughs> science, you know. Genetic and veterinary, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Video Junkyard Podcast. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. 
Hey, just a reminder, all the reviews we do here on the Video Junkyard podcast are full of spoilers. Now, most of the movies that we are reviewing are older than I am, so if you haven't seen them yet, get out there and watch them. But just as a warning, there are spoilers in these reviews. Spoiler alert. So anyway, though, you know, it's funny because we've been talking for a little bit now about Jurassic World and the film that we're actually going to properly be reviewing tonight uh, tonight on, uh, on Video Junkyard is another movie with a big giant lizard that eats people. Yes, it is. And, and that this movie... was your recommendation. This one was your recommendation, which I admit I had never seen yes. before doing this. So uh, why don't you why don't you lead us in? I was surprised that you hadn't, but the the film is uh, Dragon Slayer from 1981. No doubt you've heard of our trouble at home. A dragon, fire and stench. It is evil. Pure and simple. You want me to do battle with that? Behold, for I am chosen, I shall die that many may live. Twice each year, the king selects a new victim. Chosen by lot. Girls. Virgins. Your king's made a pact with a monster. But your children were dying. Only a few. Does that sound cruel? Blacksmith, have you ever forged a weapon? An edge like no other on this earth. Dragon Slayer. Coming from Paramount Pictures. Uh, 1981, directed by Matthew Robbins, written by uh, Hal Barwood and Matthew Robbins. Uh, stars Peter McNichol, Caitlin Clark, and Ralph Richardson. Uh, dragon Slayer, a young wizarding apprentice, is set to kill a dragon which has been devouring girls from a nearby kingdom. So what do you think? <laughs> I, oh my god, I love this. I love yeah, this movie. I, In fact, I I found it on, I think it was on Stars or something. You, you recommended it, and I searched mm-hmm. through the different streaming things that I can get my hands on, and I found it on Stars, and I watched it that night. And by the time it was over, I'd already ordered myself a DVD copy on Amazon, and it arrived. <laughs> I I really loved it, and I mean, so we've got a young Peter McNichol, and I mean a young yes, Peter McNichol. Like good. this is pre henchman for Vigo. Young yes. Peter McNichol. Wow, this was a really cool movie. Oh, and there's also uh, Ian McDermott, isn't it? Too? Yes, there is. Yeah, Ian McDermott. Nice, and I was surprised uh, that this was a Disney movie. Absolutely. Uh, Disney movie. This was in that awesome era with Disney when they were starting to do a little bit more. Uh, I want to. I don't want to say adult fare because that gives it a totally different meaning. But more just <laughs> right. like uh, more more grown up movies. You know, they did this, and then later they came out with uh, in 1984 they did Splash, which is still a pretty fun movie. But, you know, so. Uh, this yeah, was in a really unique time period for for Walt Disney Productions. I believe Paramount. it was a co-production between Walt Disney Pictures and Paramount Pictures. Yeah. And Paramount yeah. actually ended up distributing in the United States, and Buena Vista, which is Disney's distributor, handled it overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a bit of a, some backlash to this film, I believe, at the time when it came out, uh, mm-hmm. being that it is a little more adult. I wouldn't say it's... I mean, it's not like it's you know a hard r or anything but it's certainly a little more adult than your regular disney fair there is some violence some blood and gore violence in it um on multiple occasions as well as i think partial nudity and it, it, it general it, when you say it's an adult film it makes it sound a lot worse than it, it really is but it certainly mm-hmm. is more grown up than your 
average Disney fare, especially at the time. So when there was a little bit of backlash about this, it's never been confirmed by anybody at Disney, but I was reading a little bit about this, that um, it's theorized that this film is probably the reason that the Touchstone Pictures branding or, or production branding came about from um, Buena Vista or from Disney. Uh, and they mm-hmm. stopped putting the Walt Disney Pictures uh, branding on their more adult films because apparently this uh, upset some people <laughs> at the time when it came Well, and we also remember at this time, this is also roughly in the era that Walt Disney Pictures, with their animated films, you know, they people like Don Bluth were still working for Disney at the time. And, right. uh, you know, he was doing things like, you know, The Black Cauldron. Yes. Which, which is still an amazing film it's still yeah, and that really... is one i have never seen and that i need to check out at some point super dark which is like I, I miss i've really heard that dark disney movies um this this was a, a lot of fun and, and i know one of the criticisms that it, I, I read about that that this received when it came out was that it's very similar to some of the heroes in star wars you know you've got the relationship between uh Peter McNichol and and the wizard is very kind of you know Luke and and, and uh, yeah. Obi Wan kind of I guess if you really wanted to see it that way you could see it. I but, mean, it um, is. But then again, haven't we seen adventure films like well, I mean, Star Wars wasn't Star Wars and then uh, yeah, many Star Wars many wasn't exactly Wars. original exactly. So. No, and, and I don't think George Lucas ever pretended it was. He was trying no. to create you know a, a space fantasy that felt like the old times you know flash gordon serials and mm-hmm. and such so his his ideas for that were um certainly to you know based on something and and, and to pay homage to something that he respected growing up so well, and i, and and I, I don't think that... the similarities are so strong that it detracts in any way from the film and truth be told this actually followed the empire strikes back so it's it's been removed it by about five years from the original star wars release so yeah this this one um well there's actually kind of a, a fun image that that was released where it's uh you know first of all you have you have emperor palpatine in the movie but um there's there's a great photo that uh, I, I think i had sent you that we we posted it up on, yeah. the, on the the podcast page as well where it's the rancor from return of the jedi and the dragon from this one and you know they're kind of locked in combat apparently that's something that the ilm crew did yeah and uh, and that photo leaked i saw the photo uh actually on facebook through uh ricardo delgado who is a, an artist and also worked on a number of these films he's worked on a number of star wars films as a, as a an artist and so he was sharing it around and i saw it and i knew we were doing this film i was like i have to share this too it's a really really cool picture it's one of the most badass things i've seen in a very long time um yeah i it's love like, that that's a actually... movie i really want to see <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i uh saw you repost that so I, I believe I saw it after I had told you we were going to watch Dragon Slayer for the mm. show. And uh, then when reading about Dragon Slayer, actually, the photo is mentioned on the Wikipedia page. that because Oh, sure. They actually brought the, um, what's, what's his name, Verithromax or whatever the dragon is, uh, name from Dragon Slayer. They brought the, the little scale model of him along yeah. just to kind of have with Ian McDermott on set. They, I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think it was photo, so... Well, and I think it was because, and yeah, the dragon does have an awesome name, you know, uh, Vermithrax Pejorative. Vermithrax, you know, the, the yeah, dragon that's... was so, it was such a, a well-done maquette and puppet that, you know, I think when, when they were doing I... Return of the Jedi, it was like, this is what you can yeah. do. And so, I mean, if you look at the Rancor, it's a very it's a very smooth puppet. It works really, really well. And, and you can kind of see how there was a little bit of 
I don't want to say inspiration, but some of the same tech used underneath the underneath the foam rubber, so to speak. And yeah, I mean, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the dragon here because that really is kind of, I think, the big star of oh, it. Oh yeah, and the, this it, dragon, incredible. Um, say his name one more time. I keep trying. <laughs> it's, uh, Vermithrax pejorative. Vermithrax. Vermithrax. Yes. Okay. I keep reading it and mispronouncing it even in my head, so I don't, sometimes I get stuck on a name in something and I can't get it. But <laughs> So Vermithrax, the uh, dragon in Dragon Slayer, is perhaps and has been said to be the definitive on-screen dragon of all time. Like, And I would be very, very hesitant to like argue with that. Like, Have I ever seen a dragon done better than this in a fantasy film? I don't think so. I think this is this is it. They're right about that. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it, it's up there with the dragon from Sleeping Beauty, which is still a very yeah. cool dragon. Uh, yes. It's up there with. with and I think Smog. in some ways it's it's a bit of an homage to the to um, the Maleficent dragon from Sleeping Beauty. It's got its similarities mm-hmm. and it's kind of pointy uh, head and uh, long tail and. Technically, it's a wyvern, isn't it? In Dragon Slayer, is that... Yeah, I mean, isn't there like a difference between like a true dragon and, and a wyvern? I mean, a wyvern's a type of dragon, but isn't isn't well, a wyvern a two-legged dragon and then the arms are attached to the wings, so the arms are the wings? Because yeah, I know Smog I... is that way. I think I think Vermithrax is too. Uh, and then you got like the dragon from Dragonheart, you know, the that right. really... Um, got... Where he's walking around on all four and then plus he arms. has a set of wings. Yeah. yeah. This is this is for the dragon nerds out there. We know our shit. So anyway, <laughs> right? Um. <laughs> I, I I couldn't tell you actually. I I think you. I mean that sounds right. I have heard that word used to describe different type of dragon before, but yeah, I couldn't tell you the. Uh, my dragonology this, this, is a little soft this, this is, evening. This is so. like yeah. This is like <laughs> the the D creeping out. But I I think the the design for this dragon and the fact that it's 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 either a, a puppet. Or a very large animatronic, depending yes. on the scene, and it's it's incredible. This is a I, I love seeing movies like this because you don't see them like this anymore. You know, we just talked about Jurassic World, and they brought back practical effects, which was great. You know, and that was one of the things that made the first movie so good. And then actually, mm-hmm. Jurassic Park three, they did a little bit of mixing CGI and animatronics in the same image, in the yes. same scene, which was great. And this, I mean. There is some really incredible animatronics and model work done in this film. Some this is a lost art. This yes, really I is agree. a lost art. And I uh, mean, it's this is the the reason. I mean, there's a lot of great things about Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer is a really good movie from start mm-hmm. to finish. It's um, got kind of all the earmarks of a. It's it's how you do epic fantasy in ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah. In a way, it's got you know it's got the young apprentice going on a quest. It is loosely based from the writer's standpoint on the Walt Disney short, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which stars Mickey Mouse from the film mm-hmm. Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that was their inspiration for starting this script. It obviously grew from there, and it's it becomes very something very different. Um, but you can see that relationship between the the sorcerer and his apprentice. Yeah, early in the I, film is is certainly um, influenced by Disney's short in the Fantasia film. 
Well, and uh, I liked the medieval fantasy aspects in this where you know, the girl is making a shield out of molted dragon scales and all of the, there's an amulet and there's a dagger and these little things. And it's like every scene I was waiting for somebody to say, like, roll for initiative. It really felt yeah. <laughs> like like a like a, 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 an RPG campaign brought to life where this is, and yeah, I still game and I know you do too. This is what I want my campaigns to be like. I want it to yeah. be like this movie, and and so well, I it think was this so much fun. Has such a like pure fantasy setting, or a pure Dungeons and Dragons, if that if that's the type of fantasy. Yeah, um, it's probably one of the best sword and sorcery movies because of that. It doesn't have any non-human characters besides the dragon. Right, and you could argue that maybe a sorcerer is a non-human character, but they're not portrayed to be anything otherworldly, other than the fact that you know they they have magic powers or have learned magic through some it's it's not given a whole lot of right um background but so throughout this era like late 70s early 80s there are many very good and many very bad sword and sorcery movies that come out um right around this time this is definitely one of the best of them Mm -hmm. But they all tend to do that where, unlike Dungeons & Dragons, unlike Tolkien fantasy, where everything is kind of set in a realistic-ish Dark Ages or Middle Ages, where there is there is magic, there are creatures, but most of the, the characters are human. Um, they don't have your your elves and dwarves and... Right, Athlings. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is... This one, is, it's, you've got humans, and then you've got this dragon i mean you can you can definitely tell watching this that it was uh a very influential film for uh martin and and the mm -hmm. uh the game of thrones uh you know song of fire and ice the, the whole yeah, that, I, that series you can tell there's a huge influence there he's he's gone on record of being a huge fan of this film mm -hmm. and actually in one of the episodes that he wrote in the television series he was just reading this today, and I don't remember it happening. I've seen the series, but um, supposedly he name drops the dragon in one of the episodes for, that he wrote in the first season of Game of Thrones, the television show as well. So, Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. I also read, um, and this is actually something on the Wikipedia page that I, I was attracted to very quickly, was that the design of the dragon was strongly influenced by a Jurassic-era pterosaur called Ramphorhynchus. So... <laughs> that's a thing <laughs> that's a thing but it, it, it's yeah there's there's a lot of this is one of those movies where again somebody like myself who'd never seen it before you go back and you can see so much you can see the influence of this in other films so if, if somebody would have never told me this movie was influential which nobody did i found out later but you you can see it in modern films it reminds me of the time my, my dad and i went and saw uh lord of the rings the, the fellowship the very first one Mm -hmm. And you know the scene when they're in in the uh, the tunnels or in the dungeon. There's oh, there's a cave troll and there's the big fight with the cave troll. We we came out of the theater and my dad was like, "Yeah, I guess that was cool. I mean, I, I've seen that before. The, the the cave troll is essentially the rancor from Return of the Jedi." And I was like, "Yeah, but this was first, you know, like yeah. this is where they got that idea. This is what they got the idea uh, for the rancor. So it's like when you watch Dragon Slayer, it's like this is where they got the idea for all these other things. This is where a lot of that influence came from." And it's kind of neat to see it so much, so much later, um, and, and you know, kind of without without being kind of shown that right away, you can just kind of pick that up. Like, wow, this is this is very influential just from 
from a, from a technical perspective, from a design perspective, from a storytelling perspective as well. Yeah, and honestly, I to jump back a little bit, I was I was surprised that you had never seen this film, being that it's yeah. it, it is it is one of my favorite special effects movies, practical special effects movies, and also I remember seeing this film as a child, which because of its PG rating, I was allowed to to watch this mm. movie, even though it definitely has some questionable stuff, probably more so than some R-rated films I saw later on. Yeah, I, I remember watching this, checking it out from the Pecatonica Public Library when I was. I don't know, six, eight years old, and it really being rather terrifying. Like, it was an effectively scary movie. I wasn't, like, running and hiding from the television or anything, but it definitely felt um, the oh, fear. There's some great suspense. <laughs> like, there's some great suspense. And, yeah, I don't... Um... Oh, and the dragon's just hideously scary. Like, it, it, it actually yeah. is a very effective creature. It's, it's, it's such a... It's such a good special effects movie i mean that the, the thing just lives and breathes practical effects wise i don't know if you're ever going to see a more believable creature especially at the scale that they have um, yeah yeah it doesn't now, look it, like a big robot the... covered in, in, in rubber it doesn't look like that at all no no i mean he moves very well and even the close-ups work like sometimes you'll get a big animatronic that looks so cool and then they'll cut to like the you know close-up of the creature's face and it looks like you know a bunch of you know styrofoam and and foam rubber and plastic and and no his he looks very much alive all the, all the time some of the the scale model stuff towards the end when he's flying uh, you could you could argue is aged a little bit because of the green screen work but the the dragon never looks chintzy they used the right. same um ilm used the same if, if anyone who's not familiar with dragon slayer but the same green screen technique that they used in the empire strikes back which if you remember mm. if you can remember back to the pre-special edition versions of those what that looked like um especially during the hoth battle so it has some of those same same issues with right. primitive green screen work but um was state of the art in 1981 for sure i mean uh dennis murin and uh or dennis murin did the the photography special effects photography for it and uh, phil Tippett, i believe designed the creature mm -hmm. and um so they were coming right off of Empire Strikes Back. I mean, Empire Strikes Back is released in 80. This has to probably be their next big project. So I think so. And then there's a film that came out a year later that um, it's one of those films that you can kind of tell was, was trying to cash in off of the success of this uh, mm -hmm. that didn't do nearly as well. And it's something we, we really should be reviewing probably in an upcoming episode. And that was uh, Larry Cohen's film, Cue the Winged Serpent. Ah, yes. Which is another dragon-like movie, except it's biting off people's heads in New York City. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's that's one that actually is quite challenging to sit through. But it, you can tell, like, it, the idea of a big flying dragon attacking people was something that it was successful for this. And I, you're right. It, it, I'm surprised, because I've heard of this film. I've he I'd heard about it over the years, but you said it was at the library. I... Yep. Embarrassingly, I didn't. I didn't take advantage of, of the, our library's video collection as often as I should have. Uh, but I know it wasn't at the video rental place, so that's probably why. No, I, I believe I, I only <laughs> ever got it from the library, and and it's I'll not also... one that I. It's not one that I like wore out as a kid. Like I probably only yeah. saw it once or twice, and then I was reading an article on. Oh, I don't know. I think it was in Famous Monsters magazine sometime a year or two ago about the the creature, about mm -hmm. the dragon from this film. Vermithrax. Vermithrax. pejorative. Anyway, the uh, 
just reading I read an article about the design of the creature and kind of just about how wonderful it was and it's like you know what i remember that movie i'd like to see that again and and you know see if it really holds up which i was pretty sure after reading about it that it was mm-hmm. going to and how how much people just raved about what a great creature it was so i, I found a copy of it i think again in the good old walmart discount man i think i paid like five bucks at the mm-hmm. most for it ran home and watched it right away and i liked it so much more even than i did when i was a kid i remember liking it but um there was so much so much other than just the monster the monsters the you know that's the climax it's the the main event but the, it's really a good fantasy film it really overall. is like it's and and i'll admit to that it, when i was a kid this type of fantasy sword and sorcery fantasy did not interest me that much and and i think it it, it, it maybe it's an age thing you know i actually didn't play dnd when i was a kid and by the time i was little or old enough to be playing board games. D&D was something that maybe older kids were playing. I remember a couple mm-hmm. of older friends of mine played it. My, you know, I was born in 81. So by the time I was, you know, online mentally, you know, in the late 80s, uh, it wasn't something that was quite as popular. Video games were starting to get popular. And I didn't even play a lot of those. I was more into action figures. So, right. uh, you know, so it was something that I actually kind of got into fantasy stuff much, much later. Um, I mean, as a kid, I watched movies like, you know, The Last Unicorn quite a lot, which is another one we should review on here, uh, which which is yeah. a film that I still think is very good. And that's a sword and sorcery film, but it wasn't, it still wasn't Star Wars and it still wasn't Indiana Jones and it wasn't Ninja mm. Turtles and Batman. So this is something that actually I've came into actually more in my adulthood. I've really started to embrace this, the fantasy thing. And I, yeah, I love going to rent fairs and all that crazy shit. But this really was, was like, this is one of those things like, God damn, how did I miss this as a kid? This is great. Yeah. So, and I felt like this was literally for me, one of those like forgotten treasures. Like I, I remember yeah. seeing it as a child, but only when I was reminded about it, how good it was, did it like pop into my head? Like, Oh, I really need to see that again. And I'm really glad I did get a chance to pick it up because I, I really liked it and I found it just as enjoyable this time when I watched it for, for the show. So it's, I, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic movie. It's, it's, I think it's been said that it's, you know, it's all about build up to the dragon and, and where that's kind of true. Um, I, I think it's a good fantasy film and that it hits all of those kind of watermarks. It's about a, uh, you know, that's young apprentice coming of age who has kind of a, a quest he's he's sent out and um, to destroy this dragon. And it also has a really great subplot about the um, virgin sacrificed to the dragon in, in the yeah. kind of the small kingdom that the lottery. Yep, and, the lottery. And and this is it's cool too because in especially you know you're in this film you've got the character of Princess um, Elspeth. Mm-hmm. And you know her, her father, um, the, the king is a uh, Cassiodorus. Uh, Cassiodorus is a total ass. Yep. I mean, this is a king you love to hate. But actually, I don't even know if it's one of those love to hate. I think love to hate on second thought is one of those characters like that's giving him too much. <laughs> yeah, love to hate is like Negan on Walking Dead. It's like you you like seeing him on the screen even though he's a piece of shit. This guy's just a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, um, well he's and, cowardly. He's yeah um, manipulative, yeah, and especially how the movie ends. Yeah, you know how the movie ends. I, I love with, that. With that. I too. mean it, that it, the whole thing has kind of a it, it's I don't. 
it's easy to say dark and it is a little it's a little dark when you compare it to like other disney fare but i wouldn't say it's necessarily a dark dark film mm-hmm. it's a film that lives in a we're a very realistic world even though it you know has dragons and and magic and such but um so yeah i mean there's the there's the political play this guy's all politics the whole time he's he's playing political games to keep his daughter out of the lottery um mm-hmm. it sounds like after his brother the former king was killed he um was too cowardly to go and take on the dragon so he came up with the system to try and appease it um was successful with that but um, so basically, his cowardice has been his only, <laughs> only thing he's been good at as a, as a king of this what, what looks like a fairly small city state or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, at the end, he literally claims after after the sorcerers have um, finally destroyed the dragon, he comes and claims himself dragon slayer and uh, claims the victory for himself. And what is very believable that you know many kings would have done especially at the period of history oh sure i mean yeah i mean cassiodorus essentially you know he, he's now you know as, as you said you know his was his brother i think it was his previous king and was yeah. killed and so instead of taking on the dragon he creates the system for erland where essentially he's just trying to make erland great again and <laughs> uh you know it, it it with some really screwed up results i i really liked that i really enjoyed the the subplot um, because the the basic story, like you said, it's, it's a sorcerer's apprentice on a quest to kill a dragon. It is, and I know I keep bringing this back to like an RPG, but that's how most RPGs are, right? You know, yeah. you're, you're in a tavern, <laughs> and you meet somebody who sends you on a quest to get or do or kill something. And, and, it, and it usually ends up, almost all the campaigns are written where, you know, not a, not all is as it seems. And that's kind of what happens here, and too. that's what here, too. There's, well, there's a big not all as it seems in the end. Um, right. with the But but then there's also these side plots and these, it's the, the whole thing with the princess and the lottery and the king, it's almost a side quest in a way because yeah. he helps reveal that. And so, well, yeah, I really be, like that. And you, I think you're correct. I agree with you. It may be... And I'd have to do a lot more watching of, of sword and sorcery movies from the era because um, they just don't make them anymore and they really should. But mm-hmm. I'd have to do a lot more watching to see. But I would like to say that this, out of all the ones I've seen, this is the most like a Dungeons & Dragons campaign that I've ever seen put on film. Much more yeah. than, you know, the Dungeons & Dragons movie, obviously. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah, cause, or, or the uh, TV show. Yeah, yeah. this one. And I mean, one thing, too, you know, we, we've talked about, it's an old film, so we're, we're, we're talking about spoilers here, but the, the princess, yeah. the princess doesn't make it. Nope. He doesn't save the princess. And so he, that wasn't his quest. Right. That was not, his quest was to kill the dragon, and he helps in doing that. Um <laughs> Unlike but, in any but, other Disney movie you'll ever see, she gets violently chewed up by baby dragons. Is... Which was a scene that really raised some eyebrows. I was like, holy mm-hmm. shit. She's, yeah, they're, wow, they're really eating her. I and mean, it's not, not like, did oh, did not save her, but it, yeah, it's pretty graphically depicted. Yeah, it's it's not like, a, oh, they're biting her. He's going to brush them away and shoo them off and then rescue her and she'll she'll survive it. No, they're they're not on her foot. Wow, <laughs> she's dead. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but it, it, that was, again, something... It, it's such a film of its time. It, this film is so very 1981, you know, yes. with being able to show things like that. Uh, you know, something, you know, most of the films that we've been talking about or have 
discussed bringing up on the show are films from this kind of lost era of the late 70s through the 80s mm-hmm. and I think the way that we saw sci-fi fantasy and horror in those times we they were going places that uh, they don't do anymore yeah and and uh, for better or worse I'm not going to say one or the other but this was definitely um, this was definitely a film of its time uh, and I don't mean that in like because it did offensive things just because it was willing to show things that most wouldn't yeah, I mean, this This is, I can see why this is kind of considered the quintessential dragon movie. And it, yeah. it, it's still awesome. It's still awesome. That's why, like I said, before I was even finished watching it, I was ordering it on Amazon. Like, okay, <laughs> when's my DVD getting here? Because yeah. this was so good. And yeah, and you can pick it up too pretty cheap. I think I paid like six bucks for it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fairly inexpensive. And unfortunately, the only, I, I don't believe there's even a Blu-ray in print. I think it's just in dvd right now so yeah um, which is which is unfortunate um they're yeah, really hopefully they'll someday i don't know if there's supplementary material out there that exists of any of the making of, of this but i would love to see a blu-ray come out of this with some behind the scenes with ilm and this creature and building this creature so that would be fantastic i would i would buy it again to get that if <laughs> there was so if you're listening out there you know and, and there, there were some other tie-ins though there was a, a marvel comics adaptation Yep. There was as obviously well as a, a novelization. There was a novelization, and there was also a board game from Simulation ah, Productions that came out in 1981, and uh, it it was. So it, it sounds was like a, they were thinking simple. this was going to be a little bigger film than maybe it ended up being, but it's certainly a well loved one, even if it's a bit of on the cult side, um, which is you know perfect for us. Yeah, I, I think this is yeah this is like the perfect kind of film to, to do a little uh, quick review for on on Video Junkyard because it's it's I, this film was big enough to have like it was it was well known when it came out it played into uh obviously fantasy films were very big around this time yeah there was a short period of time where they were just the, the all the rage i mean conan the yep. barbarian came out yep. around uh in the late may 79 something like that yep. 80 so just right in the same era and after that it was a very popular Beastmaster, film. There was just an explosion yeah. of these types of movies. yeah Beastmaster, lady hawk um Oh gosh, there was a whole bunch of like really legend, (laughs) well, really like cheapy Italian ones, I think too. Yeah, Um, Roger Corman made a bunch of ones. They're supposed to be really awful, but good awful, I think. Well, (laughs) Um, you know, was it you know, Legend is a big one, right? Yeah, Legend. Um, Yeah, of course. That was a really, really. I mean, that's that's a cult classic today. And there were some a lot of animated ones too. You know, there were some aspects of uh, heavy metal that would play into this. There was Mm -hmm. also Fire and Ice. Uh, which is a yeah. really cool... Uh, yeah, Ralph Baskey's yep. three, three fantasy films are all in this era, um, which mm-hmm. is uh, Last Unicorn, Fire and Ice, and The yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, all the, yeah, the, the animated Lord of the Rings as well. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, that one was was uh, another another perfect one for this kind of thing. So yeah, this fits right in there, and in fact, I think this was one of the more... Um, this one was pretty popular, I think, when it came out. It was it was pretty well received, but it was a flash in the pan, you know, like a lot of these types of genre films. When yeah, well, when this they entire a bunch this of them entire genre is interesting to me because the entire genre seems to be a flash in the pan and has never really found its way back. I thought after the popularity of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films that we might see some more of these, but it really mm-hmm. didn't spark a resurgence of these kind of films. They do still make sword and sorcery movies, but they always are very like cheapy, straight to video type films. Um, the Dungeons and Dragons movie probably only got a theatrical release because of its branding, um, which and some of I, its cast. Again, yeah. that's that that whole movie is a what were they thinking thing, and I'd love to 
spend some time talking yeah. about it just because it's it's one of those so bad it's is it good i don't know not really but it's it's so bad it's bad enough to talk about well, just a I've couple also... like really quick thoughts on sure. dragon slayer before we wrap it up just sure. little things that i love about this movie that i noticed and um the sword play in the movie i love for some reason in the 80s like this these type of sword and sorcery movies the blades in the sword fight when they strike together shoot sparks off of one another yeah like in highlander yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that's the only other movie i can remember seeing that and i just absolutely love that for some reason it's a little like nuance it's totally unrealistic obviously but it just makes makes for a great uh sword fight scene um there's a really great like during the subplot of this movie there's some really heavy critiquing of the christianizing of britain and the catholic church and we won't get into that on this Mm. show because we're running out of time but just i noticed it and i think it's interesting that it's it's i don't think it's very it's not a hidden thing in there it's it it very much makes a comment on uh, catholicism in britain and also a little lord of the rings nod in there when the sorcerer is resurrected in the end he comes back all in white robes just like gandalf the white comes back in oh yeah that is yeah a, you can I, you can see a lot of those Lord of the rings but. oh absolutely you know and i think you know you were you're real quick i just wanted to mention that you know you, you said why don't we see these this is a, a a genre that hasn't really come back and had taken hold like it did you had lord of the rings but then you know other other fantasy films that tried to come out afterwards just didn't catch on you know and they also tried things like i mentioned Dragonheart and its various sequels which were not very good, but Dragonheart itself was pretty questionable too. Uh, wasn't yeah. very good, but I, I think I don't know. Maybe it's the next thing that we'll see. You know, like we've had ten years of superhero movies. We'll see what happens when that starts to. At some point, that's got to die down. You know, yeah. um, so we'll see if maybe something like this comes back. I would love to see this, but however, I did notice that there's a new Robin Hood movie coming out, which is a great yeah. way of trying to bring this back in. You know, just medieval to, and it's very much not though if it's it's like robin yeah, hood kung the fu it, it looks really odd so i'm not really i'm not trying to judge a movie i haven't seen it just doesn't right look like i mean hopefully we'll enjoy. Be pleasantly surprised but yeah it didn't look it didn't yeah. excite me either so we'll have to just see but in the meantime yeah uh this this was a total win for me um i i i'm gonna give it a i'm, I'm gonna give it an a just it's uh it hit all the right notes for you know it it's uh it's a fun fantasy film. It's got really good effects. The story's really good too, and it's nice to see those together. It's not it's not a movie where you have to go, well, the story was lame, but the effects were good. No, everything works together really, really well. Uh, so I'm going to give it an A. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm right on the same page. I, initially, I wrote down A-, but as we talked about it, I don't really think I could detract from this in any way. Um, there's nothing about this that knocks it down to a minus, so I don't know why I wrote that down. I agree. It's an A movie. It just... It's... If you're into that Dungeons and Dragons type fantasy, sword and sorcery type fantasy, this is probably, I don't know if I'd use the word quintessential, but yeah, let's call it that, the quintessential sword and sorcery film of the era. Um, it's probably the most faithful to that feeling or that um, type. I would agree. I would even use this as a way of getting people into RPGs. Yeah. Yeah. Show them this and say, now, how would you like to do that? In yeah. your I mean, mind. The only thing it's missing is <laughs> different, dice. you know, character classes. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, yeah. But otherwise, it's all there. But you know, so, so yeah, well. great movie. I highly recommend it to anyone. Could, could track down a copy of it, or if you have the Stars app, it, you said that it's on there. So I believe it's on Stars um, right now. So yep. 
But uh, otherwise, yeah. I, do you have any uh, any parting thoughts about the podcast? Some other things coming up? No, just um, as always, I'd like to remind you uh, to get involved with the conversation and send us some feedback. At um, you can always get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter. If you would like to, please write us an email at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com. And we will try to read some of those on the air if we ever get any. Yeah, just let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of our reviews. Um, If you want to talk a little bit about any of these movies, we're happy to read your thoughts. Um, Also, if you want to recommend some some themes or some films for shows, we're certainly open to suggestions. Uh, Especially if you can discover us at, at something... You know, we haven't seen. How about how about that? I'll make it a rule. If you can recommend a movie that's one of these hidden treasure type movies that I one of us has never seen, we'll we'll watch it and review it on the show. So that sounds um, great. Get in touch and with, basically, you, just get in touch yeah. with us. Is uh, get we'd like to hear from you. And if you feel like we missed anything in talking about Dragon Slayer or fantasy films, since that was kind of the thing we were uh, talking around today, uh, yeah, feel free to drop us a line on that too. Because like, like we just said, there's, there's not a there's not a lot of these out. Maybe we missed some. And if there's some other ones out there, please, people listening, uh, let I'm us sure know. we missed some. Love um, to track more of these down. Yes, absolutely. So that uh, shoot us an email. It's videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com like to thank everybody for listening as always and we will see you next time in the video junkyard thanks for tuning in see ya you have been listening to the video junkyard podcast i do wish we could chat longer but i'm having an old friend for dinner you just can't let them go go stay on the road We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast. All one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.